mentioned last week, Paul shifts to a much more practical tone uh, in chapter 4. And in the text that Caitlin has just read for us, Paul uh, explains how Christ's church is going to need different people with different gifts uh, so that the community will be the community that it is intended to be. He tells them that uh, among them will be people who are called to be prophets and apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers so that these people will equip uh, the church to live out its mission. But before he, he tells them this, He reminds them of their example. Jesus, the one who ascended, is also the one who descended. The one who was glorified is also the one who was crucified. The one who was lifted up is the one who was humiliated. Now, as far as pep talks go, this is pretty bad. Like, this is a really bad strategy to pump people up. Paul would have made an absolutely terrible Uh, coach, really. Uh, But if we look closely, we can see that he is actually making a very profound point about the nature of Jesus Christ. He's reminding them that uh, the same Christ who is raised from the dead, the same Christ who ascended into heaven, also remains human. Upon entering into heaven, he didn't leave his humanity behind, but he remains in solidarity Uh, with us, even as he is at the right hand of God the Father. But why, why is Paul telling them all of this now? I think that it's because he doesn't want them to forget their example. He wants them to remember who they are following. I heard a parable uh, once a few years back about a man who dreamt that he, he died and he went to heaven, and St. Peter was there at the gates, ready to welcome him. And as the man is about to enter through the pearly gates, he looks around him and he sees uh, some people on the outside of the gates. He sees some of his friends even outside of the gates, people that he's known, and he also sees some strangers. And he looks at St. Peter and he asks, you know, What about all of these people? And Peter looks at him and he says, well, you know the rules. You know the rules. And as the man is about to enter, he remembers his reference point. Jesus, the outsider. Jesus, uh, the friend of sinners. Jesus, the one who would always stay with the lost and with the least and the lonely. And he looks at Peter and he says, you know what? I think I'll just stay out here with them. And the parable ends with a smile kind of breaking across St. Peter's face as he says, at last, you understand. For God so loved the world that he forsook heaven even itself for a time to enter into our suffering and to redeem and to heal it. The apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippians that uh, though Christ was in the form of God. He did not regard equality with God as something to be used, but he emptied himself, and he emptied himself for our sake. In humility and at great risk, he identified with us, with you and with me. And this identification, this solidarity, this new relationship holds the power of redemption. 
holds the power of redemption. And extending this relationship into the world is now the mission of Christ's church. I mean, this is what it means to be the body of Christ in the world. And my friends, we have so many opportunities right now to be this body in the world, to practice solidarity with other people, especially people who are suffering in the world. I mean, we look around you. We have the opportunity to practice solidarity with those who are suffering from this disease as it surges through our city and through our state right now. We have the opportunity to show our solidarity to uh, doctors and nurses and hospital workers and technicians uh, as they care for these people. We can practice solidarity with uh, those who have lost jobs or those who are, are suffering from the serious effects of isolation that all of this is causing. We can show our solidarity by taking this disease seriously, by wearing a mask, by uh, doing everything within our own power to limit the spread of this disease. For those of us who are white, we have the opportunity to practice solidarity with our black brothers and sisters who are crying out at injustice that they have suffered for far too long. We can commit ourselves to uh, listen to and to learn from their experience and uh, in very tangible and in concrete ways show that we believe that black lives matter. I don't know about you, but I've noticed at least in myself, the process of solidarity goes something like this. It begins with uh, just flat out denial. Like, like uh, I just kind of say to myself, you know, it's not really that bad. And then I look for evidence or reasons to justify why I think it's not really that big of a deal. And then out of denial, maybe apathy comes, right? Where I'm willing to admit that there's a problem but because it doesn't personally affect me, I just kind of don't care. Maybe that moves to pity, where I'm willing to admit that there's something and take pity on those who are affected. Hopefully that moves to compassion, right? Where um, I'm moved, my, soft, my, my emotions soften, and I come to care about the well-being of other people. And I think oftentimes that I stop there. I stop with compassion. I think that it's enough for me to just sympathize, for me to at least understand the pain or what's going on with other people. But solidarity is something different. Solidarity is when we recognize and when we are willing to put ourselves uh, in a position to be affected by uh, what is affecting someone else. Solidarity is the moment that we take on some personal interest. One way to distinguish solidarity from compassion is that solidarity always involves a risk. God took a profound risk in loving us, in sending uh, Jesus Christ to demonstrate that love for us. To risk, therefore, is to love like God loves. And you can know that you are in solidarity with someone if you've risked something. On April 25th, 2003, Maurice Cheeks, who was the coach of the Portland Trailblazers, was getting ready to coach his team through game three of the playoff series. Uh, they had already lost the first two games to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, and it's safe to say that he had a lot on his mind. 
And at the same time, 13-year-old Natalie Gilbert was getting ready to sing the national anthem before uh, the game began. And as she started to sing, she forgot the words. And as she stood in the middle of that court, uh, embarrassed as she stood there alone uh, and unsure of what to do next, Cheeks took a risk. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the stars like stars. show you that video with some hesitation. Uh, we are having a very different conversation right now in this country about the national anthem and about sporting events. And it's a conversation that we really need to have. And uh, wherever you come down on that debate, uh, I imagine seeing it here uh, might make you feel a certain kind of way. But if you can kind of put aside the current debate for now and uh, pay attention to what it felt like to see someone with more power and with reputation. Take a risk and stand in solidarity with someone who uh, is clearly in crisis. A trivial crisis, yes, but clearly in a crisis nonetheless. Then you will understand the transformative power of solidarity. Solidarity has the power to lift other people up and I think even to redeem. My favorite moment uh, in the entire video is when Cheek signals to the crowd to join him. It only takes a small act of solidarity to build an entire collective movement. Though it might not happen all at once or even immediately as it did uh, on that night, a small act of solidarity has the power to bring people together and to transform an entire situation. But it all starts with a risk. And Paul urges this new community, this new church, to be a community that is willing to take this risk together, to show the world the mystery and the power of God's solidarity with us in Christ. And this is a risk that you and I are invited to continue taking as we follow Jesus wherever we live, work, and play. Just 
Just imagine, imagine the movement of care and support that we could inspire in this current moment if we could move on from denial and apathy and pity and go beyond just compassion, to stand in solidarity with those who need us most. Are you willing to take that risk? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.